0: In celebration of Halloween, Ryan and I discuss in this episode some frightening comments, some of them quite spooky. In doing so, we also talk about universal life, loans, loan balances, modified endowment contracts, and the like. We had fun doing it and hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening and happy Halloween. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. And here we are on a Saturday morning, living large and uh, having fun, making it look easy. <laughs> but look, tomorrow's Halloween. Yeah. Happy Halloween.
1: Happy however many days until the election. <laughs> that's that's oh what I gosh. like about Halloween is that it's close to the election being over. That's yeah it's going to be scary that's me.
0: no question about that <laughs> it's going to be scary well maybe we'll know the first quarter you know um, after the Supreme Court goes through their selection yeah. process we'll know who the president is yeah I don't know actually today is uh, October 17th for us so
1: yeah. and do you know all the while while all that's going on cash values are just going to be steadily rising
0: 24-7 yeah even on mm-hmm. Sundays yeah. Is the market even open on Sunday? Depends on who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no question. All right, so listen, uh, let's talk about something scary.
1: Comments. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Unreleased comments, okay? Unreleased,
1: yeah. Um, you know, the people who... Uh, uh, so many you see of
0: the, how quick he pulled that out? Yeah. Comments, <laughs> said, look, it's already redacted. <laughs> so don't tell me you're not prepared, Mr. Griggs. Oh, wait, wait, look. He redacted my copy <laughs> as well. <laughs>
1: Many of the comments are great, right? People are very supportive and interested and say, have very nice things to say and thank you and all that's very much appreciated. Um, and and they're, it's the ones that are glaringly um, problematic that are, I don't even like that word, but they're the ones that the annoying ones are the ones that pop you can out.
0: you can see past the comment okay and listen this particular thread that that has been printed out you know it's been a, a interesting topic of discussion within the office i mean briefly you know as we're going about our business daily um but the uh audio visual the ab ninja you know it's come up a couple of times this particular commenter you know, my comment on her comments is like the lady's drunk. She needs to get off the channel. <laughs> I mean, because it was like she she ripped through about I don't know over a three or four day long weekend. Yeah. You know she she posted I don't I don't know ten twelve comments and and they're just not going to be released. But um, maybe on the client only access we'll go deeper into it. But I you know we don't, I don't want to call anyone out. But I just want to share the. Uh, the comedic value from time to time In some of the comments Okay mm-hmm. I mean you Obviously get to see The ones that are released And You know listen You can comment Just don't cuss Okay Be polite And don't promote Yourself or your product Or whatever it is you're doing Looking for justification Of what you're doing You know um, So comments are really good But I mean just be civil Right
1: yeah. Anyway So some of the things We have in here uh, so this person says If anybody is discussing IBC They either understand or on The way of understanding And maybe That, that could be the case uh, And by the way nobody knows what exactly You guys mean by a well designed policy So James why don't we Tell people exactly the correct Structure that everybody should build their Contracts to the digit to the, <laughs> the Hundredth percentage Point place on the show
0: Listen, my clients, his clients know exactly how their policies are built, and they know exactly why they are built the way they're built, and they're built i i mean you can i it's akin to being handcrafted i mean yeah. as as weird as that may sound, or you know maybe that whatever you however you hear that um Everybody is different. Yeah, I mean, we all want the same basic needs. There's no question. But your finances, your cash flows, your your future goals and endeavors and current endeavors are different than mine. So what may be good for you? Oh, wait a minute. And you're like 30 years my junior. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we're supposed to have the same type of policy or the exact same structure? No. Well, fundamentally, um, what? I have discovered practicing the infinite banking concept over the last 16 years, <clears throat> excuse me, making probably every mistake that you could make um, on me personally, on our policies personally. Um, what I um, have discovered, all right, and it's not just like, oh, I, I found the secret, none, none of that. But what I have come to understand, come to believe in, have discovered is. Every company is different. Every life insurance company is different. All life insurance is priced. I get it, you know, the same. The The company has to put the premium to work. There's only so many bonds in the universe that they can buy. There's only so many pieces of real estate they can buy. Um, and all of that, the actuarial, you know, uh, experience is uh, the same for all of us. You know, we all use the same actuarial, you um, like the claims ratio, you know, the it's all the same, mm-hmm. right? It's all equal. And the further out you go, the um, it all varies to the center, mm-hmm. right? Okay, what I have discovered and what I enjoy and what I deploy is understand the companies that we work with and their product by design. Mm-hmm. And then if I understand the client, what you're trying to do, what you want to do, it's like, oh my gosh, it's a match made in heaven. So... Does yeah. that answer your question?
1: It, it, it certainly addresses part of it. I, I, I want to say though that the idea oh. that there is a correct, a specific, sole, only correct design, is not does not come from Nelson Nash or becoming your own banker. Nope. That 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 is an idea that you're getting that other people have got uh, that, that uh, originates from <coughs> people who have used. "Quote unquote banking and life insurance as a as a sales tool and a marketing gimmick, primarily on YouTube and on other podcast platforms.
0: Well, that's how it's yeah, because that's how the big wide world discovers it. But it's an outgrowth of noise, you know, and it's and it's not necessarily, uh, you know, not to be expected. Okay, I know whenever uh, fifteen sixteen years ago. You know the goal is to have as much cash value as possible as soon as possible as much of the premium to go to possible <clears throat> to go to cash as possible once the death benefit has been solved for. And I don't care who you are, or what you do. In my opinion, you know most of us have a need for death benefit in whatever variation that is. Mm-hmm. Right, and once the death benefit is solved for, which is prudent financial mechanics, financial planning, retirement planning. Um. Once the death benefit is solved for, Mm -hmm. you know, then the focus is on cash value, cash value um, accumulation, which is going to happen in a dividend-paying life insurance anyway. The cash value is going to accumulate. So, um, so once you get past the need for death benefit, and then you're building a quote-unquote banking policy, Nelson said it many times. You're going to you're going to it is going to require so much death benefit you can't get it past the underwriter. Right. Right. Okay. Um. I understand that we're trying to accumulate cash. So, you know, the agent, the advisor who gets newly exposed to this and they're still, they have one foot in the quote unquote financial world, rate of return, rate of return, rate of return. And then they solve, well, cash is king and I believe cash is king. Um, You know, we start solving for cash. Well, Well, then you squeeze down the base whole life premium, which is where the primary loss of liquidity comes from in the first couple of years of life insurance and you solely focus on all cash in year one or two and then you compare it to cash. There's so many things wrong with that, most of which you can't see now, but you'll discover later. Um, and And it comes from a basis of either ignorance, right, or just trying to make something better than it is. You know, I think Nelson Nash took life insurance, and he didn't necessarily make it better than it was. He he pointed out characteristics of life insurance that already existed mm-hmm. that everyone else discounted, and this is a continuation of discounting the value of life insurance. Yeah. So I can go on and on, and I have many times.
1: Well, I like what you know Nelson says. If you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. <coughs> and I think oftentimes – People don't have a full awareness of, of what's going on in the sense of how your need for capital and, and how the need to systematically accumulate and continually grow capital over your lifetime. I don't think that's taken into account. Right? I don't think people are thinking long range, um, and so consequently, if we think in a, in a more short term fashion, where we're looking at what's going on in the f- first year or two, you know, I, I tell and I've. I've told clients this this week that some cash value is better than none. Some premiums better than none. A policy enforced from a reputable whole life providing mutual insurance company is better than none. And that's fine. You know, but and and so it's not that I'm saying and that's why I compare it to fast food. You know, you can go eat fast food. You know, is eating fast food better than starving? Sure. (coughs) But is there a better way to live? In my view, yes, there is. And. You know, the illustrations and becoming your own banker and the way Nelson taught the infinite banking concept was not focusing on the first two to four years of a contract. He was looking at someone who was paying premiums over the course of their income-generating lifetime and then enjoying some additional cash flow after, in his examples, the individual stopped working. Okay, that's a long-range perspective. And so where I take it back to is if you want to do what Nelson taught, then it has to come from becoming your own banker. It has to come from the book about it. And in that book, we' we're not there is no specific. Only correct structure. the The structure in uh, Part Four equipment financing is different than the structure in uh, Part Five, and even distribution of age classes,
0: which is the, different than CD Sisters financing a car. They're all different. Which is different than the, the cost of a college education. Yeah,
1: and so this is what I tell yeah. people. You know, it, you have to bring it back to the philosophy, and the cookie cutter fast food style never does right. And so, if we, as soon as we want to take, if if we're willing to rethink our thinking, like Nelson admonish us to do and we consider the philosophy why we're doing the infinite banking concept in the first place and we start to think well if I want to if paying premium early on is good and it is so too is paying premium later on okay so I might want the ability to pay a high premium for as long as I can okay well that's going to have implications for the structure right and I, I might given that I want to uh, as, as much as possible to the best of my ability accumulate capital and pay a high premium over the course of my lifetime, I want to challenge myself to do that. Well, I'm, I might also want the ability to where if something happens and I'm not able to do that, to have the flexibility to lower my premium in a given year, so I want the ability to have a. I want to. I want a robust product, something that's going to accept a high premium if I have the ability and desire to pay it, but will also maintain its tax treatment and remain in force and all the uh, all the all the good things if I choose not to pay that high premium. Okay, so flexibility. Well, if we think flexibility in, in addition to a, a long premium payment duration is of value, that too has implications for the structure, right, and the the. The ultimate takeaway is if the further and further you squeeze the base down closer to zero the quicker you're going to have to sh- scratch off these other values
0: you're when you do that you're not only the quicker you're going to have to you are by default scratching off abilities in the future Yeah. period and i said before i mean uh, there's at least five things that are deadly wrong with these really Uh, contorted policies and you really do have to take a life insurance policy and contort the fire out I spoke about this six or seven years ago at the Nelson Nash Institute on stage 400 agents and advisors or 250 or 300 whatever in the audience and I'm talking about this and I think that's really one of the only ones that has not or one of two that has not been released (laughs) in the big wide world (laughs) which it will be on the client only access on 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 uh, bankingwithlife.com and I'm I'm not trying to promote, I'm just trying to explain that um, there are a multiple, there are a multitude of things wrong with policy structured that way and you can't necessarily see it or understand it unless you know something about life insurance and how it acts over time, Mm -hmm. right? And, and, And then of course it's over your lifetime. You know this idea that, you know, look, the average business person doesn't think beyond a year, they think in 12 month increments, I don't know why it just it just is um, the average all American family, and which is not you listening, okay? The majority of Americans can't think past next week, right? right so this is not short term thinking is nothing new, but you know it's like Parkinson's law. We have to address it and deal with it, and you have to do it daily. All right, okay. Um, and when you say long range, Nelson said long range, and when you look at capital accumu- capital accumulation over your lifetime, your need for capital is not going to go away because you're getting one year closer to graduating. It is not going to happen. Go ask somebody that, uh, I'm just saying, go ask how important... Uh, Cash, capital, money, wealth is to the individual who is getting ready to graduate. And everything that you accumulate on the face of this earth, what you don't spend and what you don't give away, is gonna be left to someone else. Period. Go ask them. You know, do you want to leave your children, your legacy, your prodigy, whom you may never get to meet? Do you wanna leave them pennies? No. Who does? And if you do, we're probably not a good fit anyway. Yeah. Right? I mean, if like you don't love your people your family, or whatever causes you support to the point that you're willing to take action beyond talking about it, yeah, you know, it probably can't help you. It's yeah. And it's okay. That's right? fine. Yeah,
1: It's right. just and, not a good fit.
0: And so while you're talking about long-term thinking, long-range thinking, and building capital over your lifetime does not mean you have to sacrifice the now. What Ryan's talking about is absolutely true, and it does not negate your need for capital now. Right. Nelson, in every one of his illustrations, and I've said it many times because Nelson said it many times, he would not put an illustration if he rewrote that book before he graduated. He would not have put an illustration in there. Why? Because it's more of a hindrance. He's trying to convey a concept. Right. And it's more of a hindrance because then everybody gets stuck on these life insurance illustrations. Then the financial guru, if they can't burn it down or take credit for creating it, then they got to take credit or try to make it better. It's like really okay. So not only can I build capital long range, and if it's built correctly, it's my choice whether I want to pay a premium or not. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be forced to not pay a premium or be forced to pay a higher premium than I wish. So when I get back to handcrafted, custom, and you know, if, if every one of your life insurance illustrations look the same, you financial advisor agent, you're not that. That's not personalized work. Right. it's like if you think ninety ten is it or 80-20 is it or 70-30 is it um, what's, what's customized about that
1: right.
0: you know it's like it's just another cookie cutting form okay Nelson in his illustrations didn't finance anything until after he completed a capitalization phase well look at uh, equipment financing illustration number one Couldn't he have financed a truck in year two? Yes. Mm -hmm. And if he did, all of the numbers on the right side of the page would have went up. All right. So my point that I want to emphasize here is just because we're building correctly to endure, to last into the unknown future, to serve the client well their whole lifetime does not mean you're giving something up now. It does not mean you don't have any cash value in year one. Right. It does not mean that you can't you know, control your capital flows or begin controlling the banking function in your life immediately. I rest my case.
1: Yeah, so nobody knows ex- what exactly you guys mean by a well-designed policy. That's because you're not a client. If preach you were, <laughs> if you were a client you'd know exactly why the policy's built the way it is to suit your particular circumstances and it, it I don't maybe this is the source of that frustration it's like we're talking to cameras in a room here, right? It, not me. I'm talking to are, you on well, the other
0: side of that camera. Thank you.
1: You'll get what I'm saying. The, because, I'm slow. Because, this com- because the conversation isn't in terms of your numbers, because we're not talking about your income, your assets, your ability to pay premium at your age, considering your underwriting status, We since we can't have that conversation because this is a – show, as a podcast, then yeah, it's not going to be clear what exactly the structure is to suit your circumstances. And that should be the way it is for people who are not sitting two feet across from a, a client and telling that person what the right structure is for that nameless, faceless entity. That's the problem, right? That, that they assume that the right structure, that they already know the right structure by default before they meet you. That should be cause for concern.
0: Yeah, just tell me what premium you want to pay, and I'll shoot you out an illustration. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, it's like a it's like a home builder building you the the custom home that you've always wanted before they ever met you.
0: Yeah, in hmm. in a in a in a, uh, a sub development where every house looks the same. Yeah, except they're reversed. Right <laughs> here's one to the left, the other to the right. Yeah, custom. Yeah, real custom. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, this uh, common tour. Commentor, commentator, commentator. Um, she also said, "She's like James. Uh, uh, what's up with the blue cup? It's girly. Get rid of it." And I'm like,
1: "Yeah, I had a, I had a, a, <laughs> a yeti one time. She like the color of the cup. It's like, you know, my gosh,
0: go to the audio version or something." You know, <laughs> wait, and wait, can, so and I don't think your country even has a Bill of Rights. So, <laughs> I mean, this. Gosh. I'm not. I'm, There's a lot of countries that don't have a Bill of Rights. I mean, so they come and take it. Yeah, Mulan Lebe. I'm just saying. Well, can there.
1: can you take time to actually show us examples of one? And you've mentioned it. You know, if if Nelson could had redone it, then there wouldn't have been. Listen, I've got
0: hours and hours of videos of real live illustrations the ex- out there. And, oh my gosh!
1: And the examples are in the book. Everything that's needed to understand what's going on inside of a life insurance contract is available in becoming your own banker. We can flesh certain things out. I have a way of putting things that's different than how other people put them, and maybe that's helpful, but at the end of the day, the source is becoming your own banker. That's where the examples are. If you find yourself feeling that need to see examples, go to becoming your own banker.
0: I like this one. This one was like because – you know, I'm human, right? And I'm unprepared. Mr. Griggs showed up with all the preparation, not me. And good job. I'm not a disparaging preparation, all right? Um, <laughs> but look, she's commenting on a previous episode, and I'm not sure which one, but she says it is section 7702, not 7707. There is no such this as 707. Well, actually, there is a okay let me continue and it goes like this 7702 the US Internal Revenue Code and I'm I'm helping her out I'm cleaning up the statement I'm just telling okay the tax code in 7702 defines what the federal government considers to be a legitimate life insurance contract and is used to determine how the proceeds are taxed Um, I don't give tax advice and I don't interpret the tax code But she said that, you know, by the assumption here, it's section 7702, so she's correcting me, not 7707. So I'm like, I I don't listen to our episodes typically. Every now and then I do, it's a self-critical thing. Um, So I'm like, Andrew, did I misquote, did I say 7707? And there is a 7707 tax code, but it just doesn't pertain to life insurance, okay? It pertains to a multiple um, of topics. And so Andrew goes through this whole episode, and he said, no, James, you said 770. And so in that episode, I said, the 77 plan is a sales gimmick. You know, and they're uh, a flaky organization with flaky producers and editors, and, you know, they they made a marketing scheme out of nelson's work the infinite banking concept and just lobbed off two out of the 7702 <laughs> internal tax revenue code um and said ah, here are going to market the 77 770 plan so i just said in this episode the 77 770 plan is a gimmick and then she's like correcting me like i misspoke and then andrew goes through there i didn't misspeak and it's like, so quit it. I mean, so obviously, a long weekend, she's drunk and, and turned into a keyboard <laughs> warrior. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm Irish, so don't crack on me for drinking. Well, here's, like, here's another one. Um, or referencing the drunk. I have a history of, you know, I'm Irish. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for alcohol, we would rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> the Irish. <laughs> and then their big brother, the Scots, hampered them a little too. So, <laughs>
1: All right, there's another point in here. Where does IUL, (coughs) Index Universal Life, have a fallout with IBC? And I bring that up because I had another guy who had contacted the Nelson Nash Institute this past week, and with a similar question, the individual uh, was a prospective agent. uh, he wants to He was getting his license And he was He, wa- he thought he wanted to do both He wanted to provide IU, I told you about this Earlier in the week He wanted to provide IUL contracts index universal life contracts And he wanted the ability To provide Dividend paying Whole life contracts To clients And he wanted to get contracts With companies That would allow him To sell both Of these uh, Types of products And Happily enough, he told me, he was frustrated when he told me this, but uh, he said, you know, the the mutual companies that I'm talking to to get a, a contract to provide whole life products, they ask me, you know, do I intend to sell... Uh, universal life or index universal life, and so the guy told him, "Yeah, and he's like, I want to do both.
0: Yeah, whatever and the, pays, going to sell it all." Right,
1: the mutual companies wouldn't give him a contract then,
0: <laughs> and he was a, he was <laughs> upset insulted. <about>
1: that. <laughs> what? But I think that's a great. Perfect. Co- com- companies being uh, discretionary about who they'll give contracts to. I mean, about time. That's awesome. And, well, anyway, so you know, why not? you? And then, and then here's another level of it. You know the frustration of like I can't find where my specific question is answered directly online, right? You know, the the idea is like I should have written an article talking about why. Yeah, or could you write
0: an article? Could you write a thirteen-page email to answer my question? Because I have it. I'm going to obligate you and your time.
1: That's the that is definitely the underlying mentality, and you know, it my. My position on that is, like, you know, could one do it? Could I go write that? Could we talk? Could we make a little thing about it? Sure, we could, you know, but uh, you could do that about any number of things pertaining to the world of life insurance or financial strategy. You can spend all the time you want on that. At the end of the day, as far as universal life is concerned, it's not a guaranteed product. Period. Period. We spent a lot of time last time talking (laughs) about how the cash value in a dividend-paying whole life contract is the net present value of a guaranteed future cash flow, right? The death benefit. That relationship, that actuarial relationship is necessary in order to produce all the other beneficial elements about policy loans, about dividend payments, about control over the contract. That's a necessary relationship. Okay, it's not there in universal life, right? The underlying insurance vehicle and universal life is annually renewable term, which means that the future premium, as far as the cost per death benefit, cost per dollar of death benefit in the future is not guaranteed. No, it is
0: guaranteed to go up.
1: It's (laughs) Thank you. Yes. It's there there is an exponentially rising premium schedule that corresponds to the exponentially rising mortality cost (laughs) in universal life. And that you, so you don't have any of the beneficial features. Over time, one of three or a combination thereof will happen. The premium per death, per dollar of death benefit in a Universal Life contract will rise, right? So an individual will eventually pay more in premium. Or the cash account value, there is no cash value in Universal Life. There's a cash account value. That cash account value will begin to diminish in order to compensate for that rising cost of the death benefit. What? Or th- number three, or the death benefit will de- will diminish. And what's more likely, if you hold that puppy out to uh, maturity, out to the year of endowment, it'll be a combination. The premium will go up. The cash value will drain in order to offset the premium. Eventually, the cash account value will disappear, and the premium because the premium is going to get so high. Well, what about so my tax-free reduce- income? And so they'll start what? reducing the death benefit. And so you'll have universal life is a term replacement. That is all it is. Mm. You it, 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 if you, you get 30 years in, 20 years in, however you are however old you are when you start, you're going to drop it because you're going to start to see what's going on in it. And I got a guy right now, great client, has Index Universal Life and we are exchanging the
0: fire out of him. And well, you know as you bring that up, this I mean it comes up over and over um <clears throat> pretty consistently. This and, and and other things. You know this IUL is just the latest version of universal life and listen universal life came out in the late 80s ef hutton a stockbroker you know uh organization to to create a product to compete with you know the life insurance industry and the financial gurus but the bottom line is you really have and then ralph nader you know the consumer advocate <clears throat> um universal life is a quote-unquote unbundled product you separate the death benefit from the side account that accumulates interest or earns interest and oh my gosh what were the interest rates in the 80s right oh my gosh all right well they got it wrong there most all of those if you've been in the life insurance business for 25 plus years up to 40 years you know um, what's happened to those universal life policies and then uh, so they got it wrong. The life insurance industry, you know, uh, forgetting their heritage, forgetting their history, forgetting who they are, and not knowing their product, dividend-paying whole life. You know, they acquiesced to all the outside pressure and Congress and the collusion, and, and they come up with these unbundled products. universe the history
1: life. of the industry. Oh, my gosh. Capitulating to the pressure.
0: Yeah, and, and trying to, you know, create... Uh, the latest monstrosity of a product and foisting it on the unsuspecting American public. That's what, in my opinion, has gone on. They got it wrong. So they come out with VUL, Variable Universal Life in the 90s, right? Oh my gosh, the market only goes one way, right? An can only go up. So we'll replace, and the interest rate went down too, we'll replace that side account that earns interest with the sub-account like a mutual fund. And that's how you'll accumulate you know, the account values. Well, the markets don't go one way always. (laughs) That didn't work out so well either. Oh, wait, and the cost of the death benefit goes up every year by the mere fact that your feet are still on the ground. Okay. All right. They got it wrong again. Strike two. So then they come out with the equity indexed universal life, right? Then they have to drop the word equity to get away from the risk of equities, right? And now it's indexed universal life. (laughs) Same again. You know, there's no risk. There's no loss. And it's couched in various ways, marketed in different ways that are less than straightforward and with less than clear uh, promotions and explanation I mean I'm just saying that the 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 lack of clarity um, is greatly used and abused in the financial world okay and the life insurance industry is not squeaky clean okay Mm -hmm. anyway they got it wrong again with the index universal life. Uh, there's no risk. No, the outside indices determine how much interest is paid on, at the end of the year, right? It's a, it's a contract it determines year. Determines the gross crediting, gross, the gross crediting right? <laughs> uh, yeah, the net premium. It's a gross credit on the net premium. You bust open that hundred and five page uh, life insurance contract or the ninety seven page illustration that it takes to illustrate universal life, all right? And and, and you dang near got to be an attorney to read it because it's all in legalese. Um, at the at the so I'm just saying there's zero. I can't go below zero. Right? So if the markets are down, the indices are down, I didn't lose any money. Perfect. No, I didn't lose any money. He didn't gain anything, but the cost of the insurance went up too. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so many things it's that are- It's
1: in the rising cost. And people, that's the immediate retort. Don't you know, James, that the, you know, I'm guaranteed 0% on the- No road. loss. Yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, why, okay. Regularly, this week, you you mentioned speaking with a client this week. Um, I as well- this particular week, and the last week, and the week before, 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 and the week before. But large, really the size doesn't even matter. But universal life, right? It's all created. It's a, it's a commodity in the industry. It's a commodity product. If you can create a better illustration than your competitor to get to the... To get the consumer to say yes, you know, then you win, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a completely a, an illustration, a ledger-based, um, an Excel spreadsheet type of sale, quote-unquote. And every life insurance company knows this, all right? This is no secret within the industry at all, okay? <clears throat> all right, so you have... Um, all of these universal life policies, and then they have all of these discounts. If you're super preferred, we're going to discount the cost of the death benefit, or we're going to table shave, right? Which means we're going to charge you less per thousand because we're going to assume or act like you're healthier than what you really are, table shave. So if you qualified for standard, they'll give you a preferred just to get your business. And all of that matters on the illustration because all of that makes the illustration, all those numbers go up. And so lately the conversation I've had with these clients. I'm like, listen, do you see here that you're super ultra preferred in your 50s? And you know, you gotta do your Fitbit and and to continually qualify for this discount or Mm. table shape." I'm like, do you know how many people at your age are super uber ultra preferred? All right, if it's true, right, and, and I hope so, you're going to outlive the statistically standard individual, mm. right? Now, you've got a universal life policy. The cost of the insurance is going to continually go up, and you can't do anything about it. And you sure have no control over the indices and the returns. The company retains all the control to raise and lower those. And when when I spoke a minute ago about busting open that 100-page uh, policy, go in there and look at the at – the, uh, at the uh, definitions of the charges. I've never seen so many esoteric names mm-hmm. for charges. These companies make up names for the yeah. charges. They don't even exist. It's like, oh my gosh, did you dream about that in the boardroom? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Okay, so if you're if you're uber healthy and you're gonna outlive the average guy, and so you're gonna live to 90 or 95, it's almost, it's, it's, it's dang near by default that policy is gonna cannibalize itself because you're not going to be willing to write the premium check required to keep it in force. Yeah.
1: And so it'll drain what is left of the side account or the cash account. Well, you said
0: it quite clearly a minute ago. There's one or two things or both that's going to happen. The death benefit must be reduced and that'll be limited in your hundred page illustration and your, you know, Mm hundred page life insurance policy contract. Um, Uh, I, mean, I, I mean I'm just saying this like they illustrate wonderfully and we, when we get back to you know this lady also comments on you know the importance of an illustration that tells you this and it tells you that it tells you as if nothing changes The numbers on the page, the premium that's illustrated, and that's all that is, is an illustrated premium, and it's an illustrated non-guaranteed dividend, and the accumulation, the increase in the cash value year over year, there is a guaranteed element to that, no question. And then the death benefit is not guaranteed because there's a non-guaranteed element, the dividend, that Mm -hmm. so yeah, illustrations matter to the point where you know you can get some clarity on your particular premium numbers on your particular cash flows. But in general, illustrations do not matter if you understand what's going on. Well, if you understand what's going on with a universal life insurance policy, then the illustrations won't matter right because it, it'll it'll not be good for you. The longer you live, the worse it's going to be. And mm-hmm. it's by design. it's not there's nothing that you can do about it. The problem, the flaw is in design right you can't correct that it yeah. cannot be corrected right can it be managed yeah sure you can throw more premium you can reduce the death benefit but it I was going to say earlier the death benefit you'll be limited on how much you can reduce the death benefit because that's another sales tactic and the life insurance world, oh, well, we're gonna get up to the to the corridor, the least amount of death benefit for the most cash value, and then we're gonna drop the death benefit in the future, and all these esoteric things that you're gonna do to manipulate the illustration to get you to say yes and write a check. Yeah. And listen, if I can go on and on, There, look, I've asked the life insurance companies I have yet to get an answer. Uh, I've got a general agreement that is true. Uh, the two most profitable life insurance products in an insurance company's portfolio. The two most profitable products in a life insurance company's portfolio that they want you to buy is term life insurance and universal life insurance. My question to them, that I haven't gotten an answer on, is which one is the most profitable? Right. And they don't know. I mean, you gotta get to the actuaries, I mean. Anyway, so. If it's most you know, profitable the for them, don't know what a profit is. <laughs> 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 now wait a minute. We have some actuaries. They do, but most don't. We're not talking about our actuaries, yeah. right? Our clients that are actuaries. And there's a same, shameless side plug. You know when a when a when a when an actuary or a big four accounting partner when they buy life insurance, they call my office. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah. Well, they can't. Well, I'm not. Fair
0: Okay, stop it. Be nice. The
1: big four loved Madoff. Is all I'm saying. Yeah.
0: Well, not all of them. I mean, I'm just saying they're they're. That's like the federal government. You know, there are some federal employees that they they understand what's going they on. They
1: know what time it is. Yeah.
0: They call our office too. <laughs> all right.
1: What else does this one
0: have here? Well, here I got one. I got I got one. Look, I love this. I love this. Oh yeah. Why do you say that cash value grows tax-deferred? Shouldn't it be tax-free? Oh my gosh, if you're a life insurance agent, shouldn't you already know this question? <laughs> okay, no, I correctly stated, and because it's correct, is why I said cash value grows tax-deferred. That's actually correct. Cash value grows tax-deferred. And that's why I said it.
1: Yeah.
0: Is it accessible tax-free? Yes, it is. Right. I mean, I speak English she reads and speaks english i mean
1: and the reason we say tax the reason it is tax deferred is that if you were to generate cash value inside of your contract in excess of your cost basis or the amount of premium you paid in since day one of the contract and you were to then surrender that contract prior to your graduation then the difference between the high cash surrender value and the premium that you paid in that differential there is a taxable gain and so at that point you would have from the time the contract originated to the time you surrendered you would have deferred taxation on the inside buildup of the cash value in that contract so technically speaking the nature of cash value from a legal perspective not a lawyer this isn't legal i'm just someone who can read that's all right (laughs) the the technical nature of cash value growth is that it's tax deferred now can you borrow against the tax deferred growth using a tax free instrument in the form of a policy loan yes you can right so you know square that away however legalistic you want to be about it, it the technical nature of cash value growth is that it's tax deferred and you can get to it in a tax free manner so you know. Thank you. Look, you can call that a banana, whatever <clears throat> you want to call it is what I, it is, and it's not like
0: we don't know the difference. No. <laughs> so like, look, why do you say cash value grows tax deferred? Because it's true, and then comment. Shouldn't it be tax free? Yes, it should. But the, <laughs> should. the, the federal <laughs> government has no restraint, right? And they create no. They 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 create. Uh, no profit, right? So the federal government doesn't know what a profit is. So, yeah. and they have no restraint on your property. All right. So, should it be tax free? Yes, of course it should be tax free. Everything should be tax free. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, and why is it not? Is because your federal government, state government, local government, city, county, parish has no restraint. And oh my gosh, no kidding. Like, that's a revelation, right? Yeah. The 10th Amendment, right? Um, you know, it's like an entity that can't. Uh, I mean, the federal government doesn't even have the ability to restrain itself. The state cannot. It does not have the ability to restrain itself. And by expansion, it needs your capital and your property. So and I could go on and on about that, but I digress. I'll let my libertarian friends... Um, blow it up on that one well, nothing about finance alright
1: so then the next another <laughs> I'm going to turn
0: that volume up I want everybody to hear that comment okay
1: an, an, the, another look I'm this gonna,
0: whole this whole episode is turning into
1: this one it's the Halloween know. episode frightening comments <laughs> well right. then
0: we should open it up there's, there's got to be more oh there is another one
1: yep I think there's okay. several next one please explain what happens to the cash value if you take a loan and pay it back within a month does the cash value go back to the amount it was before the loan all right, that's what she said. Now let me put some context around this because I've had this happen with some companies when a client logs into their little online account at the company, they'll they'll see uh, different things. They'll see something called a net death benefit. They'll see a death benefit. They might see cash value. They might see net cash value. All right? They see these different things and. What's and this the question's kind of getting at this right now, right? If you have a if you're an owner of a dividend paying whole life contract, you have cash value, you exercise your contractual authority to collateralize part of the death benefit and take a policy loan from the life insurance company, and you then so you, you've got a loan balance outstanding, and then you go onto your portal and you log in and you look at what your let's say your death benefit is after you've taken out the loan you might see that the number the company is showing you is a lower number and you might think wait what's gone on and this has been the accusation in uh in in committee meetings at the in the senate and the u.s subcommittee on united senate finance subcommittee on debt and tax management i think it's called where they say that if someone takes out a policy loan, it reduces the death benefit. Okay, this demonstrates a a lack of understanding of the nature of collateralization, right? We're not... when, when you take a policy loan, in one sense, it is true that the net death benefit is reduced, but simultaneously, it is also true that the death benefit is not reduced. Right. So there's a difference between the death benefit and the net death benefit when a company says or a, a consumer advocate or some lawyer at the government accountability office says that
0: there's we, a government accountability office.
1: Yeah. Is it working? It's like the I'm uh, kidding. No, I don't uh, it's like different uh, government names for things. It's the opposite <laughs> of what it means. Exactly. And, when, when they say that a policy loan reduces the quote-unquote death benefit, what they're saying is that if the individual who is insured on the contract passes away while there's a policy loan outstanding, then the death benefit that's paid will be reduced by the amount of the outstanding loan balance, including the interest charge. Right? That's what, that's what is meant there. And so we might say that the death benefit net of a loan balance is smaller if you've got a loan balance outstanding it's like well yeah of course that, that's the nature of subtraction but so long as you're living so long as someone the, the insured person on the contract has not passed away the death benefit per se is not decreased by a loan balance a portion of the death benefit is collateralized by the loan balance but the only reason the loan could be outstanding is because the death benefit is what it is, right? That, and the only reason you can maintain the loan, the only reason you can carry the loan balance is because the death benefit has not gone down, right? If, there, if it came to a point where your loan balance exceeded the death benefit or if the death benefit decreased to the point where the, it met or then uh, went clear past the outstanding loan balance, then the policy would lapse, Right. And that's not I mean, it theoretically can happen, especially if you contort the structure. Oh,
0: no, it, it it can and will happen in the future for a lot of people who have. Uh,
1: think they got one em- thing and get another thing
0: and yeah. embrace the infinite banking concept without any foundation in philosophy or economics. Yeah. So I just want to be clear that, that in the
1: middle, we're not taking loans from the <clears throat> cash value that does not happen right it's not even technically true that the cash value per se collateralizes the loan right ultimately what collateralizes a policy loan is the death benefit yep. right if you don't repay a if you as a policy owner don't repay a policy loan during the lifetime of the insured whether that's you or somebody else upon that person's graduation it's not the cash value that will pay the loan balance right the cash value is just the net present value of the death benefit Right, it's the death benefit that would ultimately pay an outstanding loan balance upon the death of the insured. All right, so we're not taking a policy loan from the cash value. Uh, when we take a policy loan, the death benefit isn't going down. The cash value isn't going down. Right, you have to. We have to start including these unhelpful, you know, net this, net that kinds of things in order to square that kind of language away. But don't fall under because and. If you did any research into the history of the taxation of of life insurance, you start to see this, that people say, oh, you could... You know, allegedly dividend paying whole life was on an unfair playing field with other assets because someone could pay a high premium, see the cash value shoot up clear past their cost basis, which happens if the policy is built correctly. And then the person takes a policy loan and the, the accusation is that the individual got something for nothing on a tax free basis. It's like, no, what they're if you. If the individual took a policy loan collateralized by a high death benefit, given that they had high cash value, then the trade-off is a lower death benefit, right? That's what they're giving up. It's not that they're getting something for nothing, uh, but because life insurance companies capitulate to this unhelpful terminology, it's difficult to clarify the defense of that of what somebody might do. You know, there's nothing wrong with if you know what you're doing. You've been diligently practicing the infinite banking concept over your lifetime. You've built up substantial cash value and you want to take a <coughs> cash flow on a tax free basis via policy loan to fully or partially finance your lifestyle on purpose and to purposefully run up a, a some portion of an outstanding loan balance on the expectation that the eventual death benefit will clear it. What you're the banker. You, you can choose to do that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that per se, But we do it, you you only get there after you understand that we're not taking loans from cash value, we're not reducing death benefit. You know, so this, you know, does the cash value go back to the amount it was before the loan? No, it never went down. Cash value is (laughs) guaranteed. It's guaranteed to increase. It's the net present value of the death benefit. So long as the death benefits promise to be paid and time is passing, cash value is guaranteed to increase. It's not going down.
0: Right. Well this you know, and I, I don't I don't want to interrupt you, but that was a very lengthy uh explanation. <laughs> but she goes on, don't you know, she goes on in that question. And all of this is just a continuation of noise or misunderstanding. Um and, and maybe she's sincere trying to get to clarity. But I have a hard time believing that when she like questions the color of my mug and tries to correct me on something that I didn't say. Right. All right. Um, also, how is interest calculated in such a scenario? And do you take the annual rate, divide it by 365, and then multiply it by 30? Please explain. Like, right, no, I'm not going to explain alone and how it works to you. Beyond, I mean, Mr. Griggs just did an outstanding job, but um, you know, you didn't get into the interest calculation, which is fine. I can do that. I know you can, and I could too, and I choose not to, but my point here is is just the mere question, right? It's clear that if life insurance is, you know, just a gimmick and interest rates really matter, right? That's what this thinking is. Because mm-hmm. and if you buy into that, interest rates matter, and it's all about you know HELOC and the velocity and get as much outstanding in a loan value as possible. And you get into that in the infinite banking world. You know, should you have any residual cash values? Shouldn't all your cash values be collateralized? And it's like, no, hell no. Okay, but and if you buy into that, the and I understand that you know we're. I mean, I. Uh, Understand cash flows and interest, and that. My point is, whenever you're stuck in this idea that that life insurance is all about interest rates, so therefore, you know, the we've got to use a universal life, and we've got to go get the HELOC, and and create all this. Um, those, in the long term, in my opinion, are the policies that wind up lapsing mm. or surrendering. All right now, and going back to what you were. Saying and explaining your basis, what you paid in premium, and and that's not just a straightforward answer. Your basis changes with loans, okay, and premium. But you go forward and whatever your basis is, let's say the basis is $100,000, all right, and you've got outstanding loans of, you know, $200,000, however that happened, all right, and that policy lapses. You don't pay a premium, you surrender it. that difference, that hundred thousand dollars in my example, is taxable in that year of receipt, and it's considered the year of receipt when the policy lapses. All right, and now and it's taxed at ordinary income levels. All right, so this is not a game to to abuse the life insurance uh, contractual rights. You know, it's it's not a game to pay a big high premium so you can have a big high outstanding loan and not address it in the buy and buy law take care of itself Mm. you know because you're using these all these various illustrations as a sales tool to create these double digit rates of return and there's never a problem until there's a problem that's just one example of why i say that um and i've i've seen listen i've I've seen these cases where people, they think they buy into the infinite banking concept and they think they understand and they think they have it with clarity and they think an outstanding loan doesn't matter. Um, an unmanaged loan does matter. Mm-hmm. right? And then I've seen lots of illustrations that, oh my gosh, you just go out. If you lived as long as Nelson did, Nelson graduated at age 88, I see a lot of illustrations within the industry that is embraced and promoted as this is a way to bank. Those are problems. They're going to be problems. They're gonna, there's like one illustration that comes to mind is a $965,000 tax liability at the guy's age 84, age 85. And right, I don't mean to speak esoterically and all that. My clients know exactly who I'm talking about what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my point here is that just the way the question is answered is very common to get lost in the weeds of loans and interest rates. And it's like, look, at the end of the day, um, you're financing everything you purchase, period. You're either paying cash, right, or you're formally using a third party lender's money. When you pay cash, you're never gonna earn another dime of interest or have any control on that money that's spent. Yes, you get whatever the good and services is that you did that exchange with, And on the third-party lender, you're never in control of that. It's just like the HELOC. The HELOC is another extension or example of noise, in my opinion. I'm not disparaging HELOCs. It's a financial tool if you want to use it. Knock yourself out. Do whatever you think and your advisors advise you to do. Okay, I'm not telling you to do it either way. But to take a HELOC and then to buy life insurance and then to leverage the life insurance to go buy, you know, appreciating cash flowing assets in a turnkey real estate deal. It's like, my gosh, what are you really doing? And who's really profiting off of that? If I want to become my own banker, and the first thing you want me to do is go be dependent upon a third party lender, there's something philosophically wrong with the presenter, the whole scenario in you, and your thinking, if you buy into that.
1: Yeah.
0: So, Boom. I'm just saying, another example of the noise. Happy Halloween. That was scary. Halloween comment. <laughs> yeah, makes me want some pumpkin pie, man. Listen, uh, send me a pie. Don't send me these, like, you know, freaky questions. <laughs> I'm fat for a reason, right? Because I like to eat. Okay. That was fun. I, I mean, look, I think perfect. it it could be valuable, too. We covered, you know, like, universal life, some love, some thinking. That was good. You know, based on questions. Let us know if you like uh, us commenting on unreleased comment. (laughs) Or not. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.